0: Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Let me try to give you an idea of what's going on in my life right now. So we got a really, really busy week this week, right? We got to go out to Holman uh, to watch them play in Watertown on Friday. We have a WKTY watch party going on Saturday morning at the Mirage, Badgers, Ohio State. I got to run a Z93 Halloween party on Saturday night. And you know what? I'm even helping to work the Viking game tomorrow night. This is a really, really busy week for me. And on top of it, if you can't tell, uh, I'm coming down with, uh, I don't know what it is. Can't breathe out my nose, sore throat. Always tired, got a headache. Right, I'm in I'm in bad shape. I need sleep. I need to get rested because this weekend's gonna be really busy, right? Sleep should be at a premium. Last night I, I almost stayed up all night. I was up I was up past 1 a.m. because last night was one of the best sports nights of 2019. And I know this is the Wisco Sports Show, and we talk about Wisconsin teams, and, and no Wisconsin teams were playing last night, but it was awesome. Lakers Clippers. Raptors, Pelicans, and then Game 1 of the World Series as well between the Nationals and the Astros. So much good stuff was going on. I I had to watch it all. I had to stay up until the very end of that L.A. game, which almost, almost went until 1 in the morning. And you know what? I had to get up at 6 a.m. to join Dave uh, with mornings uh, with Dave and Scraty. Obviously, no Scraty this morning. Dave uh, going solo. Talk to him at 6.20 this morning. Man, don't care. Don't regret it at all. I would have stayed up all night if that's what it would have taken uh, to watch some of those games last night. What an awesome night in sports. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills, and I am a little bit under the weather. You'll have to excuse me. I sound a little bit squeaky. I sound a lot squeaky, actually. Not just a little bit. Uh, and, and like I said, this is the Wisco Sports Show. I know Wisconsin sports teams playing last night. But the Bucks opening up their season tomorrow... We're going to have to talk Bucks today. We just have to. Man, it's it's that time of year. And we're also going to talk a little bit of Brewers. Believe it or not. Some news with the Milwaukee Brewers today, too. I, I do want to start with last night because it it was awesome. I, I hope that, I, that NBA fans that are listening didn't go to bed early last night because I was tempted. I was tempted to. I think 11.30 came rolling around. And, and when you start a 9 o'clock West Coast game, right, when you tune into a game between the Lakers and the Clippers, right, you have so much energy. You have so much motivation. Man, I'm just going to watch this game real quick. Right, four quick quarters and then I'm off to bed. And then you look at your watch at 12, 15 a.m. and it's it's barely halftime, right, or, or whatever. Those games take forever. And last night there was a moment where I'm like, man, do I do I want to stay up and watch the end of this? Do I want to put myself behind uh, behind the eight ball a little bit and then get up at 6 a.m. and talk to Dave and be a zombie, right? I, and and I pushed through it. And I hope uh, the NBA fans out there that are listening, or just the sports fans that are listening, did so as well and stayed up because... Man, if, if that game last night was any indication of how the 2019-2020 NBA season is going to go, we're in for a fun time this year. We really are. Obviously, the opening night of the NBA last night, there's going to be more games on tonight, uh, no Bucks until tomorrow. There, there's a couple of games on ESPN tonight just off the top of my head. I believe it's Celtics, uh, Sixers are the early game, and then I think it's Nuggets-Blazers in the late game, uh, if I can remember correctly. I'll check that uh, during the next break. But nonetheless, some teams that aren't the Bucks playing tonight. Last night, I I loved it so much, and it's a little bit off-brand for me. Normally, I'm the anti-big market guy, right? I don't like watching the Lakers, the Dodgers, the Yankees. The last couple weeks, I've started to change my tune around on that a little bit because some of these big market teams, as annoying as it is that it's the same cities and the the same organizations, these teams are really good, and they're really fun to watch, and they have some really interesting storylines. Last night, I mean, think about this. The Lakers and the Clippers both completely revamp their their roster, their coaching staff, everything over the offseason, right? Okay, maybe not completely revamp. The Clippers add Teron Liu. The Lakers hire Frank Vogel, who also <laughs> brings along Jason Kidd with him, right? And then the Lakers, who had already added LeBron, bring in Anthony Davis. They add Danny Green. Dwight Howard comes in, right? A lot of new players on that roster lost a lot of their young, inexperienced players who are now in New Orleans, right? And then the Clippers not only add Kawhi Leonard, but they add Paul George, uh, and they revamped some of some of their roster as well, and including adding uh, Tyron Lu to their coaching staff. Both of these teams walking into last night thinking, man, this is our year, all right? We had the better offseason, we're the better team, the better front office, the better coaching staff, and, and LA is ours. So it was a little bit of a, a battle for LA, right? And look, the bragging rights, that's in Los Angeles. I don't know if any of us really care about that. We wanted to see a great game, and we wanted to see a, a player like LeBron James, who missed a lot of last year, come back and and entertain, right? We wanted to see Anthony Davis, who is a great player, but he's been stuck in New Orleans. We haven't seen him very much, certainly not in big games. That was exciting, and both of these teams was something on the line last night. Think about that, and they, they also share a building, right? So even though it was technically a home game for the Clippers last night, plenty of Laker fans there. You heard that in the pregame, right? Kawhi trying to address the fans, say welcome, you know, welcome to the opening night, and booze were raining down. And then the Clippers fans made themselves heard as well. Like it was a very back and forth game. It was it was electric. It almost fe- it did feel like a postseason game, which is pretty darn cool that we got that on October 22nd, right? With months to go until the NBA playoffs start. Kawhi Leonard is that man. Kawhi, God, Kawhi Leonard last night, and it's almost as like Bucks fans. We should know better than anybody how good Kawhi Leonard is. I was watching with a couple of friends last night, one of which is a T Wolves fan. Another one is a LeBron fan. Yeah, one of those. So now, currently, he is a Lakers fan. Currently, or been in the past, a Cavaliers fan, a Heat fan. You know, just a LeBron guy. Big LeBron guy. One of those guys. And I was watching with them, and, and they kept going, Man, Kawhi Leonard is good. And I go, yeah. yeah. I Trust me, I know. As a Bucks fan, right? As Bucks fans, we know. We saw what he was able to do almost single-handedly last spring coming back from a two-game deficit in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Clippers win 112-102, to and it was kind of a, a tale of, of two stars. Two different stories, right? LeBron was okay. He was fine. He only had 18 points. He had a couple of turnovers. I, I believe he had three turnovers in the fourth quarter. Not not good coming down the stretch. And he's a little bit tired. And, you know, it's the first game. Playing with some new teammates. Got to shake that off. I'm not completely blaming LeBron. It's one game. Kawhi Leonard, when, when his team needed him to take over, uh, he did exactly that. In fact, the Clippers made a huge run in the second quarter. In the second quarter alone, Kawhi Leonard scored 16 points off seven of eight shooting. There's just there's just stretches of game where Kawhi Leonard will just take over. And in the fourth quarter last night, looking for someone to do it, no one no one really did. The Clippers were just better as a team. Kawhi Leonard did have seven points in the fourth quarter. But yesterday, remember, we talked a little bit about Anthony Davis and I said, look, I I think the Lakers are going to be a good team. I think they're going to be really fun to watch, but I'm not as high on Anthony Davis as everyone else is, right? Last week, that NBA GM survey came out where they pull all of the general managers in the NBA anonymously and survey them on a bunch of questions, one of which is always, if you could start a franchise with one player, who would you pick? Now, number one was Giannis, and it was overwhelming. But number two is Anthony Davis. And I saw that and thought it was, was odd. Thought it was a little confusing because New Orleans did that. New Orleans did start their franchise, essentially, a couple of years ago around Anthony Davis and tried to build around him. And what happened? A couple short-lived playoff berths. Right, Anthony Davis, when he had to be the guy to elevate his small market franchise, and, and maybe, yes, his lackluster talent, I'll admit, he couldn't be that guy. And last night in the fourth quarter... Zero points, a turnover. Anthony Davis is great defensively last night, and I think he's going to be such a boost to LeBron as LeBron ages and and has to make choices. Man, do I want to show out offensively in the fourth quarter? Do I want to waste all my energy on defense, right? That That is a legitimate choice LeBron has to make. And Anthony Davis defensively is going to be a huge boost playing alongside LeBron James, uh, but those two are going to have to figure out how, how to get it done offensively. And I don't know how they do that with Anthony Davis. Do they play him in the post like a Joel Embiid type? Do they try to play him as a power forward? Because he's an okay three-point shooter. He's not great, right? He's pretty good playing with his back to the basket. He's not dominant like Joel Embiid. So they're going to have to figure out what Anthony Davis is really, really good at. And focus on that. And build their offense around that. Last night, it doesn't exactly look like they know what they're building around yet. Which is understandable, right? First game of the year. Just a really... Really fun basketball game. But I'm not surprised. Anthony Davis, I think, people are going to have to figure him out a little bit. We know him as an elite center and a guy with a unibrow and a guy that LeBron has wanted to play with for a couple of years, but that's, I think, all people really know. He's going to have to figure some stuff out. Not good uh, last night in the fourth quarter. LeBron with two points. Anthony Davis with none. Those two are going to have to figure some things out offensively and learn how to play together, which isn't surprising. I actually think the Clippers have a lot of similarities to the Bucks. Maybe Kawhi Leonard is better than Giannis. Maybe not. That, that's not the point. The team as a whole, I think the Clippers are very similar to the Bucks. I'll explain coming up later. We are going to talk the Bucs. Giannis found himself in the middle of a pretty interesting story that was released today by the journal Sentinel. And kind of an interesting quote, kind of an interesting situation with Giannis. I'll share with you, and then we're gonna talk the Bucks uh and maybe try to make some regular season predictions as well. Maybe try to get a feel for what this team is gonna do this year. That all coming up. We're gonna talk baseball, we're gonna talk Brewers and World Series as well before six o'clock. A lot to get to you tonight on the Wisco Sports Show, presented by Played Against Sports. More to come here on WKTY. <laughs> Let's go sports show here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for tuning in. Wasn't last night so much fun? Lakers, Clippers, and, and look, Raptors and Pelicans was a tremendous game even without Zion Williamson, even though Kawhi Leonard didn't hang around in Toronto, right? That game actually ended up going into overtime. A lot of fun last night to start the NBA season. I hope we can keep it up tonight. Uh, a couple interesting games, a lot more games tonight, right? But the, the primetime, the, the ESPN games... Celtics, Sixers, and then, of course, uh, later on, the Nuggets and the Blazers. Isn't that just a typical, like, Wednesday night ESPN Western Conference slate game? Nuggets, Blazers. God, I love the NBA. I'm so glad it's back. I had so much fun last night, even though I was up uh, until well past 1 a.m. and up at 6 a.m. to talk with our own very Dave, uh, our very own Dave Carney, who I know is just as excited uh, about the NBA starting as I am. This is the Wisco Sports Show. However, I do want to talk plenty of Bucks today, Bucks basketball. And if you want to join me, you can. 608 796 2558. Today, this is, this is a bizarre story. I think that this is the best way to, to label it just as bizarre. So, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel today came out with an article, and you, you may have well seen it or, or have heard about it by now. Here's the headline Giannis says if Bucks underperform, decision to stay in Milwaukee becomes, quote, a lot more difficult. Now, this wasn't a quote from recently, and this wasn't a quote from somebody with the Journal Sentinel, right? Specifically, uh, Matt Velasquez, who covers the Bucks as a beat reporter, who's been on the Wisco Sports Show before. Right? We know Matt. This was not a, an interview done by somebody at the Journal Sentinel. In fact, Giannis talked to a Harvard University professor earlier this spring, in April. Her name, Anita Albersi part of the Harvard Business School, and she's doing a case study on the Bucks as they turn around, right? And, and, and as they improve, and as they come from a team that in 2014 was at the bottom of the league and is now near the top, or at least the top of their conference, right? Also researching the challenges a small market team faces in retaining a superstar-level player, right? The, by the way, this Journal Sentinel article uh, was retweeted at WKTY. It's on our website, too. You should check it out because it's really interesting, and they do a really good job kind of boiling this down. So the original study uh, was about the turnaround of the Bucks and, and the unique challenges that small market teams face when retaining their superstar. And how many how many instances have we seen of that in the last five or ten years? Right? Paul George leaving Indiana, Kevin Durant leaving Oklahoma City, Kyrie Irving, although he didn't leave in free agency, requested a trade out of Cleveland, and that and that was when LeBron James was there, right? But you can go all the way back to to Kareem leaving the Bucks in the seventies, or, or or Shaquille O'Neal leaving Orlando. Right? There's there's lots of instances of superstars leaving small market teams. It's a challenge that's been around for ages. So Anita Albersi, a professor at the the Harvard Business School, doing a study on this. Now here's the here's the quote. Okay, I want the Bucks to build a winning culture. So far, we have been doing great, and if that lasts, there's no other place I want to be. But here's the big quote, right? The big line. But if we're underperforming in the NBA next year, deciding whether to sign becomes a lot more difficult. This is such a bizarre article. Harvard Business School professor. This interview was done all the way back in April and is now just being published. First of all, Gian, I mean, Giannis doesn't, does Giannis do that many interviews? I'm surprised he agreed to do an interview with a Harvard Business professor. I'm surprised he took time out of his offseason uh, spending time with family and just working out. This is very not on Giannis's brand. And the comment itself is not on Giannis's brand. But if we're underperforming in the NBA next year, deciding whether to sign becomes a lot more difficult. Okay. I think this is rather common sense, right? For a superstar who's approaching uh, the end of their contract in a small market, a, a market that probably feels too small. Giannis feels bigger than Milwaukee. Right, and, and that's not a slight towards Milwaukee. I'm not inflating Giannis. It's just the way that it is. Right, LeBron was always too big for Cleveland. Shaq, always too big for Orlando. Paul George, always too big for Indianapolis. Now, it's cool when those superstars decide to stay because I think it's great for a league and, and you allow some of those small market fan bases to really enjoy and wrap their arms around these superstars. It doesn't happen very often. But let's be real. Giannis's brand at some point is is getting bigger, if it hasn't already, is going to be bigger than Milwaukee. So conventional wisdom and conventional sports logic says, well, if the Bucks can't keep winning and if we, and if I'm not allowed to compete for championships here, then I'm out, okay? It's a tale as old as time. Now, hear my thoughts on this. And I'm uh, warning, I'm gonna warn you up front, I'm gonna sound like an old man here. Which is something that I, I don't think I do a lot. I don't think I'm the get off my my lawn guy a lot, right? I don't think I make a lot of arguments like that. But I'm going to here. So just warning you up front. When you say underperforming, what does what does that mean? Underperforming. Well, the Bucks won 60 plus games last year. So does underperforming mean not winning as many games as last year? Because winning 59 games would still be really really good. 58 games would still be really really good. Does that mean underperforming? You took a step back from a from a year previous, but that doesn't mean you're underperforming in my opinion. Does underperforming mean 48 wins and the 5th seed? Okay, that sounds like underperforming to me. I don't know exactly what Giannis means by if we are underperforming in the NBA next year. That's not what I want to focus on. But I still don't understand what Giannis is saying by underperforming. Obviously, it's very vague. Let's say the Bucks underperforming means 48 wins and a fourth or a fifth seed. I would consider that underperforming. Absolutely. I think if they get the first or second seed and win anywhere 50 games plus, I, I wouldn't consider that underperforming. I think they're right where they need to be because I think the Bucs are over themselves and I think now it's it's about making the NBA Finals. And nothing else. So let's consider underperforming as 48 wins or less. And a 4th or a 5th or a 6th seed. Okay? That's underperforming. Now, Giannis. I love you. Hope you're in Milwaukee for your entire career. And I hope you have lots of chances to compete for championships. As a member of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I hope they retire your jersey. And you're remembered forever as one of the great athletes to ever play in the state of Wisconsin. But. I got to call you a little bit on this one. Not that Giannis is listening to the show, but got to call Giannis a little bit on this one. And I think this is a, a message that every NBA superstar needs to hear. If the Bucks underperform next year, speaking to Giannis, the Bucks underperform, isn't it? A little bit on you? Right? If the Bucs win 48 games, assuming nobody gets injured, wouldn't Giannis have a little something to do with that? Shouldn't Giannis shoulder a little bit of that blame? I, I think we've we've fallen into this trap and in the into this pattern in the NBA where there's a superstar on a team and it's not going well, and they're they're not able to break through to win a championship, and the superstar says, Screw it, I'm out. I don't have a chance to win in this place. I'm leaving, I'm going somewhere else. Well, the Oklahoma City Thunder were up three to one on the Golden State Warriors in 2015, 2016, right? They're up 3-1, to and they can't get it done. And Kevin Durant says, screw this, I'm leaving. Kevin, part of the reason why you weren't able to make the NBA Finals is on you. It's not all on Sam Presti and on Billy Donovan or Scott Brooks. Take your pick. It's not all on Russell Westbrook. You're the best player on that team. And with that title comes great responsibility. Giannis, if the Bucs underperform to use Giannis' words, and to me that means 48 wins or less and, and, a, and a bummy seed, like, like fourth or worst. Some of that is on you. And to say that, well, I man, we just don't have a winning culture here. We're underperforming. I'm not allowed to win games. I'm leaving. Part of losing games and underperforming and not competing for championships is on the team's best player. And I love Giannis. I do. And I think he rightfully won the MVP last year. And I think he is one of the the, t- the best three players in the NBA right now. You can make an argument for one. Certainly an argument for two or three. But. Kawhi Leonard outclassed Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Kawhi Leonard with a very similar roster. Very similar talent around him. Elevated his teammates. Hit big shots. And dragged his team out from an 0-2 deficit in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm not saying the Bucks lost because of Giannis last year. But Giannis is part of the reason why they didn't win. He didn't have a second part of his game to go to, right? He was missing free throws. Yeah, Eric Bledsoe didn't play great, but we didn't know Kyle Lowry is a great playoff performer until Kawhi Leonard got there and elevated his teammates like Marcus Gasol and Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. Yeah, Giannis, you were great, but I don't know if you made Eric Bledsoe better. I don't know if you made Chris Middleton that much better. And I'm not blaming the Bucs' loss in the Eastern Conference Finals on Giannis. But Giannis has to be at the forefront when you examine the reasons why the Bucs didn't make the finals. So to say that, oh, well, man, if we underperform this year, I'm I'm leaving. Well, if the Bucs underperform this year, Giannis is going to be one of the biggest reasons. And and I I said that I'm going to sound like a little bit of an old man, right? I'm going to sound like a get-off-my-lawn guy because... NBA superstars aren't held accountable. They're not. And especially in small markets when the team's not winning, when they're not contending for championships, we blame the franchise. We blame the coach, the general manager, the city itself. And we never say, well, you know what, Kevin Durant? You know what, Paul George? You know what, Giannis? You need to be better. You need to do more. You need to elevate the teammates that you have, right? Right? You need to recruit players to come play with you in the town, in the city, in the arena in which you play. I'm not blaming Giannis. But there needs to be some accountability. If the Bucs win 48 games next year, and let's say they get bounced in the second round, which would be massively underperforming, Giannis should come out and say, what a disappointing season. And I take a lot of responsibility as the leader of this team, as the reigning MVP, and as the biggest athlete, one of the biggest athletes in the state of Wisconsin, Part of that's on me, and I need to work to get better, and I need to to, to help continue to make my teammates better so they believe in me, work with my coach to be on the same page, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Not, well, we didn't get it done. Sorry, Bucks. Your audition is up. I'm leaving. And unfortunately, that's the way the NBA has become. And it's especially difficult for small market teams. Think about this. In the last two years, the Bucs have hired a new coach, which went perfectly, one coach of the year. Hired a new general manager, which went perfectly, one exec of the year. Draft picks have been great. Free agent acquisitions have been great. You cannot argue that the Bucs could have done a better job putting talent around Giannis, putting a system around Giannis that works. The Bucs have done everything they possibly can do in their power to put Giannis in a position to succeed and win games. And yet, if they underperform next year, even slightly, and Giannis says, "Ah, man, we underperformed, I'm out everybody's going to point their finger at Milwaukee and say, you didn't deserve Giannis. You didn't do enough. You didn't do X, Y, and Z, which couldn't be farther from the truth. Sometimes, when teams underperform, you need to look at their best player instead of treating the best player like a victim of the situation. And I hope that if the Bucks underperform next year, and I hope that they don't, obviously, we're going to talk about our our 2019-2020 our predictions here in a little bit, talk about the conference, talk about the league, But if the Bucs don't stack up against the Sixers and the Celtics, and if you want to look at the West, the Clippers, Lakers, Rockets, Warriors, Giannis has a lot to do with that. Giannis will not be a victim of the situation. He will be one of the biggest reasons why the Bucs underperform, and therefore shouldn't be able to say, and my team didn't team did me dirty, not a winning culture, not a successful situation. I'm out. That's not fair. Let's talk more bucks, more NBA coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. You're listening to the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. I am your host, Graham Bills. Thanks for hanging out. And don't forget to have uh, that WKTY mobile app ready for Friday night. Uh, I'm going to be taking all the way over to Watertown, Holman and Watertown, level one of the WIAA playoffs, uh, and, and it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I, Holman versus Watertown, and, and uh, my cohort, my play-by-play announcer for Friday night, Hunter Baumgart had a chance to uh, to speak with Coach Kowalski uh, of Holman earlier today. Yeah, Watertown likes to throw the ball <laughs> about 40 times a game, so we're going to see uh, almost polar opposites on Friday. Holman, who's going to pound the ball, want to run clock. And it sounds like Watertown's going to do the exact opposite. So it's going to be an awesome game. Video and audio, both available courtesy of Firefighters Credit Union at wk2isports.com and on our mobile app. Make sure you're ready to go, ready to watch on Friday night, level one of the playoffs. And as always, our full schedule of all the games we carry at wk2isports.com. That, of course, includes Bucks games, at least starting tomorrow. The Bucks will open their season in Houston and then their home opener on Saturday. A late afternoon game. First couple of games on the slate for the Bucks this year. Both will be carried, yes, uh, right here on WKTY. We did this before the Packers season started, too, and I'm not like going to go through the Bucks schedule and pick games, obviously. Like with the Packers, you can do that. With the Bucks, not so much. 82 games would be quite a few, right? We'd have to go pretty quickly. I, I do want to take a look at the conferences. I want to take a look at the Bucks competition and, and-, and try to project, try to figure out maybe how these teams will be stacking up come the end of the year or come the start of the playoffs or even come the start of the conference finals, right? I think there are some noticeable differences in the Eastern Conference and in the Western Conference. Now, in the last couple of years, the West has been a lot better. Last year, I thought it was pretty close. Last year was was very, very close because the Bucs, the Sixers, the Celtics were all really, really, really good. And of course, yeah, that's right. The Raptors actually won the title and they had Kawhi Leonard. They were really good. Right? The the East had four really good teams at the top. And then a couple young, exciting teams as well. Like the Brooklyn Nets and and the Orlando Magic. And then you have a couple of rebuilding teams on the rise. I really, really like what Atlanta is doing. And we'll see about Chicago. They have a lot of young talent, but we'll see. Like the, the Eastern Conference... Was very, very good last year. Oh, yeah, I didn't even mention Indiana, who's like the 80s, 90s team that's mixed in there, who's really well coached, really hard-nosed, and really tough to beat. Now, this year, things changed up a little bit, right? Kawhi Leonard heading west, making the Clippers really strong. And Jimmy Butler leaving the Sixers, kind of weakening them and going to Miami. I don't know if Miami's going to be any better or worse because of it. We'll see. Malcolm Brogdon going to Indiana, which probably weakens the Bucks slightly, maybe slightly, makes the Pacers better. And then Brooklyn gets Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant obviously not going to play. So Brooklyn becomes the new Boston, right? A, a really <laughs> energetic core with great energy and, and great synergy and chemistry being ruined by Kyrie Irving just like he did to Boston, and now Boston's got Kemba Walker. So this year in the Eastern Conference, I think it's very similar to the AFC. I think this year's Eastern Conference is going to be very similar to this year's AFC. In the Eastern Conference, there's the Bucks and the Sixers, and I think they are a full step or two ahead of everyone else by a pretty wide margin. I think the next best team, you can make the case for Indiana or for Boston, I think they're a step or two down. The Eastern Conference has the Bucks. they have the Sixers, and then they have everybody else. You can probably make an argument for Toronto for the third or fourth best team to lead that next tier, right? I think it's very similar to the AFC in the NFL this year. Especially if Mahomes is healthy right, and had a defense. If Patrick Mahomes is healthy and had a good defense, then it would be almost a carbon copy. Because it would be the Patriots, the Chiefs, and everybody else. Right now, because Patrick Mahomes isn't healthy and has no defense, it's the Patriots, it's Patrick Mahomes, and everybody else. I think the Eastern Conference is very, very similar to the AFC. Now the Western Conference, let's see if we can keep the analogy going, I think is similar to the NFC. They have a lot of Elite teams, good teams, but we're not really sure which one is best, right? Are the Saints the best team in the NFC? Maybe the Packers? Well, the Niners are really good. Don't forget about them. They haven't lost. Oh, yeah. And the Vikings, albeit at noon games, Kirk Cousins seeming to be playing better again. So they're in the mix. And then, of course, well, the Bears aren't bad. Their defense is nasty. And the Lions, although they're not winning, are also really, really good. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, right? Really, really good conference. But it's tough to tell who's the best. I think the Western Conference is pretty similar. Clippers, Lakers, maybe Houston, right? That first tier, you have a couple, right? Like the Saints, the Niners, and the Packers. And then you get to that next tier, and it, and it really, really gets interesting. I think Golden State could actually be a pretty decent team this year if Steph Curry stays healthy. San Antonio is, I think, the Seattle. That team that just, for whatever reason, is always good and never goes away. Mostly because of Russell Wilson. Maybe Russell Wilson and Greg Popovich, uh, are are a good analogy to draw in this situation, and of course, Portland. Don't forget about them. Right there's a there's a lot of good teams, and you could make an argument for lots of different teams in the West. In the East, I think at this point you can argue for two, much like you can argue for the Chiefs or the Patriots. In the Western Conference, you can make an argument for four or five teams, just like you could in the NFC: Packers, Niners, Vikings, Saints. Very, very different conferences. East is very top heavy with one or two teams, and then the West is going to be a little bit more of a, of a muddy mess, I think. In a good way, because there's lots of good talent, lots of good teams. I think this year, in in this NBA, as it's currently constituted conference by conference, I think the Bucks are going to win between 56 and 60 games. That's what I'm predicting. And that's about as specific as I'll get, because past that, I don't think it really matters. I think they're going to win, screw it, let's make it an even, 55 to 60 games. I think they're going to fall somewhere in there. I think the Bucks, like I said earlier on in the show, are very similar to the Clippers. Now, you can argue who's better, Giannis or Kawhi Leonard. That's not the point. But the rest of the rosters are very similar. The Bucks, other than Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe, who I think you could compare to Paul George and Lou Williams, right? The next two or three best players have a lot of options. And the Clippers have a lot of options. A really deep bench. you see how many points uh, the Clippers bench scored last night, by the way? They put a clinic a clinic on how to score off the bench versus the Lakers, right? bench was tremendous last night. Jamichael Green had 12. Montrezl Harrell had 17. Moharkless Harkless, 10. Lou Williams, 21. Compared to the Lakers, you know, Jared Dudley had 6. Daniels had 6. Dwight Howard had 3. Quinn Cook had 4, right? I think the Clippers and the Bucks are very similar. The Bucks just have a lot of options when going to that bench. A lot of extra bodies, right, that they can throw in there outside of their frontline starters, Giannis Bledsoe, Middleton. And of course, Brooke Lopez probably fits in that group as well. It would be easy this year to predict the Bucs taking a step back, right? Last year the Bucs winning 60 plus games. It would be easy to say, well, I think the Bucks will take a step back. They're going to focus less on the regular season this year and they're going to win 53. 52 games. I think the Bucs are going to stay 55 to 60. Or maybe they'll win 60 games again. Because I think they are so deep. And they can rest Giannis and Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton without really having to sacrifice performance. They have such a, a, a huge group of young players looking to work their way into the rotation. When I joined Dave Carney mornings with Dave and Scrady this morning at 6.20, as half asleep as I was, I was able to say, look, the Bucks have Sterling Brown, Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, Pat Connaughton. I don't know who the best player in that group is, right? Obviously, a couple different positions, but there's this group of the Bucks of these young developing players who I think are just as good as the next guy and can be played interchangeably. And because of this, the Bucs one night are going to be able to rest Giannis and instead get DJ Wilson in there for a little bit and not really lose a whole lot. Or Sterling Brown. Right? Or Pat Connaughton. Or Dante DiVincenzo. A lot of options just like the clippers do, a very deep bench. And I think they're very well coached, just like the clippers are in Doc Williams. I think the bucks and the clippers have a lot of similarities, and because of this, I think the bucks roster is designed to play a lot of guys, right? They can go 10 or 11 deep in a regular season game to keep all their start line or their starters fresh, their front line players fresh and come march, come april, come may, Giannis isn't ready to fall apart at the seams, or Chris Middleton isn't ready to fall apart at the seams because they had support of a really, really deep bench. Now, when the Bucs get to the playoffs, that doesn't mean they'll play 10 or 11 guys per night, right? They'll probably play 8 or 9. Much like when the Clippers get to the playoffs, I don't think they're they're necessarily going to be playing 9 or 10 guys. But for the regular season, and stacking wins in the regular season, staying healthy, staying fresh, I think much like the Clippers, the Bucs are set up really well. Because they have a deep rotation of players who they like a lot. Sterling Brown didn't play a whole lot in the postseason last year. Not a knock on Sterling Brown. Not because Coach Bud doesn't like Sterling Brown. They just had better options. It's a good problem to have. A deep, deep bench is a good problem to have. And it allows the Bucks to compete and win games and play with high energy while not overexerting themselves in the regular season. That's why I think they'll still win 55 to 60 games. Maybe, Maybe eclipsing 60 games again this year. They can play with energy, play with a lot of effort, and not overexert themselves. The Lakers, on the other hand, man, their bench ain't ain't that good. The Warriors this year, bench isn't that good. The Bucks, much like the Clippers who we saw last night, I think have a lot of good options that can be played interchangeably on the bench, and I think that bodes well for them being competitive every night. Like, like there's not going to be a night this year where the Bucks rest everyone, and before the game starts, you're like, man, they just they they ain't going for it tonight. They ain't trying tonight, right? Because they have too many players, too many talented players that have been in that system now for a couple of years, who know Coach Bud, who know how to play together, like they're going to be in every game with energy, with effort, and they're not going to do so at a detrimental level to themselves. I like the Bucks to win 55 to 60 games, maybe even eclipsing 60 wins. Not because I think they're, they're going to go try hard, they're going to be sweaty, and they're just going to try harder than all the other teams, just because I think that's the way they're built. And that's a compliment to John Horst and, and the deep roster he's put together. We got to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit of Brewers. Christian Yelich winning an award today, not the MVP award, uh, but certainly a great award nonetheless. And did you see game one of the World Series last night? I think we might actually have to take the Nationals for real. Let's wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Hope you're having an awesome night. I got faked out a little bit earlier today. Uh, I went to reach for my phone and I saw I had a notification for Bleacher Report, right? Sometimes it notifies me about news or whatever's going on with my team or one of my favorite players. And it said award winners Yelich and Trout. And then it had like a finger like click here to see more. And I'm like, wait, did they... They weren't giving out the MVP award. Is today the day? And I open it up and, well, no, it wasn't the MVP award. I got faked out a little bit. Uh, Instead, the Hank Aaron Award, which is still obviously a prestigious honor. Mike Trout and Christian Yelich, their respective winners from their respective leagues. uh, The award given to the league's outstanding offensive performers. So basically, the best hitter, the best offensive player in each league every year is awarded the Hank Aaron Award. Christian Yelich put up some pretty amazing offensive numbers this year as we know and and it's going to be over it's going to be overshadowed by getting injured at the end and and then of course the Brewers making the playoffs and 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 very quickly and and just painfully exiting the playoffs in the wild card round. So Christian Yelich obviously won the MVP award last year and and his numbers still got better. Uh hit 44 homers despite missing a, a little bit of the season at the end. Won his second straight batting title. He hit 329 this year, 97 RBIs. He scored 100 runs and also stole 30 bases, which is a shame. I mean, I mean that's great. Yeah, that's not a shame at all. I shouldn't misspeak. That's an, an amazing season for Christian Yelich. Not a shame at all, but uh, a shame that he was injured, of course, because I would have loved to see if he could have done a 50 home run, 30 stolen bases year, something that is is rarely seen uh, in, in Major League Baseball. Christian Yelich just playing on another level, just like Mike Trout. So those two are the Hank Aaron Award winners uh, for 2019 now we wait and see if if Christian Yelich is also awarded the MVP. Baseball is interesting because if this was the NBA, right? If if Christian Yelich and Cody Bellinger played in the NBA and the Dodgers won, let's say sixty five games, but we're bouncing the playoffs, and and Yelich was leading his team to almost a, you know a sixth seed but still putting up amazing numbers, and then he gets hurt at the end. Oh, it would be a slam dunk. If this was the NBA, it would be a slam dunk because the NBA award, as we saw last year with Giannis, puts so much emphasis on best player, best team, right? Who's the best team? Who's their best player? Good chance that they're going to be named the MVP, right? So if, if this conversation was in the NBA, Bellinger would be the MVP like that. I mean, it would be done. It would be over. We would have accepted it already. Baseball, I'm not sure. Mike Trout's won a lot of MVPs. You know, what kind of winning are the Angels doing? What what kind of winning are the Angels doing? Hasn't stopped Mike Trout because baseball operates just a little bit differently. Now, I'm not going to make a case. I'm not going to make an argument that that Yelich should be the MVP. I think if he stays healthy, he is the MVP. I don't know how voters feel about that. I don't know how baseball people feel about that. Obviously, as a fan, uh, I'm a little bit biased and would, would love to see Yelich win another MVP. But we'll see. We will see. Not going to try to make an argument or a case for it today. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Guy chimes in and says Rendon will be the MVP, especially if the Nats win. Uh, I'm pretty sure Rendon will take a World Series ring over an MVP award, which at this point is looking like a strong possibility. I don't know if I don't know if the Nationals winning a World Series. Boosts Rendon to MVP status. I think he'll probably come in third in voting. I don't know if the playoff run changes a whole lot. It's a regular season award. It's a regular season award. I, yeah, Rendon was tremendous, right? And he's powering his team. He's doing it when it counts, right? Like I said, I think Rendon will take a World Series ring over an MVP award. I, I, I don't think Rendon is. No, I don't think he's winning an MVP, even if they win the World Series. Did you watch game one last night? I had it going on a separate TV. Uh, and then we had the sound off for a lot of the game, and then uh, pretty close to the end, we we turned on the sound for the 8th and the ninth inning, and then we muted the, the Raptors-Pelicans game. Garrett Cole going down last night. Can you imagine being an Astros fan at Minute Maid Park last night and then walking out of there with a loss? I don't think anybody... Garrett Cole hadn't lost, if I heard correctly last night, hadn't lost a game since May. That's wild. Seven innings pitched last night, five earned runs, six strikeouts... By Garrett Cole's standards, that's a terrible game, but still able to go seven innings. And and for the most part, I mean, it, Astros had a chance to win. I mean, five to four, the final score, they had ups uh, in the eighth where they pulled to within a run and then ups in the ninth where they could have tied it or taken the lead, forced extra innings. They had opportunities. It's not like they had no chance to win, but Garrett Cole, definitely not the performance we're used to seeing from him. I think the Nationals might actually do this, not only because they won last night, although that's a a big reason to believe, right? It's a lot easier to win a series if you win the first game. The Astros are so much better. They are so much better than the Nationals. And in a seven-game series, it's so rare that we see upsets, right? In the NFL, it happens all the time. Team gets hot, they catch fire at the right time, and they, they just run through the playoffs because it's single elimination games. In the NBA, in the MLB, in the NHL, although I don't know much about hockey, I do know this, better teams gonna come out on top more often than not because seven game series are the great equalizer. You don't have to be better once than your opponent. You have to win four of seven games. And that's really hard to do as an inferior team or with an inferior coach. And the Nationals are the inferior team to the Astros. But maybe, just maybe, the Nationals are that hot and they are the team of destiny, that it doesn't end up mattering. Certainly beating Garrett Cole puts you in a in a tremendous position to start. Uh, we'll see how it continues. We'll talk more about the World Series tomorrow. Uh, also preview the Bucks opener. And you know what? Is Patrick Mahomes going to play on Sunday? Uh, I doubt it, but you know what? I'm starting to get nervous. We'll talk about it all. Same time, same place tomorrow. Talk to you then.